welcome to Just Another Bass, a podcast that explores choral music in all its forms, at all levels, whether you're singing for friends and family after dinner, or singing for thousands of picnicking visitors, whether you're singing at stoplights or singing under the stage lights. I'm your host, Jeff Foley, and it's my hope that in each of these podcasts, you take away a new thought about singing that you can bring to your next song. In today's episode, we'll be commemorating a performance of William Walton's composition, Belshazzar's Feast, by the Tanglewood Festival Chorus out in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts in July of 2017. While I personally didn't get the chance to sing in this concert, I did get to spend the weekend out there listening to many of my friends in the chorus rehearse and internalize this piece, and then give a phenomenal performance on that Sunday afternoon. Now, if you're not familiar with this piece, let me tell you what you need to know. It was written in the 1930s by William Walton, an Englishman who composed classical music for everything from film scores to concertos to operas. He was commissioned by the BBC to write something short they could broadcast, you know, for a small choir, a soloist, and uh, maybe an orchestra of about 15 people. But then as he got into it, he said, forget this, I'm blowing this out and making this a bigger deal. It's a story taken from the Bible's Old Testament, told from the point of view of the Jews captured by King Belshazzar of Babylon. While the exiled Jews bemoan their fate, the king and his lords have excessive, sacrilegious celebrations to praise their heathen gods, until a ghostly hand appears and writes on the wall that he's been judged and found wanting. That night he's miraculously killed, the Babylonian kingdom falls, and the Jews regain their freedom. Walton brings to bear lots of tone painting, melodrama, even jazz rhythms. It, it was the 1930s, after all, all to tell this rather captivating story. Now, it also happens to be a very challenging choral piece, as the original chorus found out at the Leeds Festival back in 1931. The Tanglewood Festival chorus logged hours of self-study, then hours and hours more of formal rehearsals, first with piano accompaniment and then with the full orchestra. The problem with these Tanglewood performances is that you invest all that time, all for one 37-minute performance. And then all that's left, besides the total head rush of a job well done and several minutes of deserving applause, are some fading memories and hopefully a good recording. So I wanted to capture as much of the chorus's prep work and thought process as possible as they went through the rehearsals with our new conductor, James Burton, as they went through the rehearsals with the maestro for the concert, Bramwell Tovey, so that anyone listening to the performance or maybe preparing their own performance of Belshazzar's Feast on the Road could get a peek behind the curtain and understand the love and joy poured into creating this performance. So, to that end, here are my interviews with four of the 136 or so chorus members taken over the weekend before the concert, recorded in hotel lobbies, chorus haunts, and on the Tanglewood grounds. You'll hear them tell their story about how they approached the piece, and I've even included some clips from the final performance where they made references to things that happened in it. Now, you can listen to the full final performance yourself by going to the classicalwcrb.org website and going back to the July 30th, 2017 entry under Programs and Podcasts, or follow the link that I'm putting in the show notes. I hope you enjoy listening to the performance, and I hope you enjoy listening to everyone's insights as much as I enjoyed talking to them and witnessing their work that weekend. So, here we go. What is your name and what part do you sing? Hi, I'm Joy Emerson Brewer, and I am a Soprano One. I'm Diana Gamet. I'm a Soprano. Diane Drost, and I'm 
usually sing alto one. This time I'm singing alto two. My name is James Gleason, and I sing tenor two. First off, what are you looking forward to for singing this piece? What, what are you most excited about singing this piece? Oh, dude, this is so... This one's really fun. Like, the first time I listened to it, I was like, that is a rollicking good time. The percussion is going to go crazy. So number one, it's, a re it's just really fun. Lots of big, fun, high notes and lots of expression and emotions. Yeah, you got to be angry. you got to be relieved. you got to be jubilant. It's fun. I've this is the only the third time I've sung it, and it's a wild, it's a wild ride of a sing. It's dramatic. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, there's so much tone painting here. Yeah, um, and that's you know um, fascinating because this piece incorporates so many elements of singing history. Yeah, you know, tone painting and certainly atonality. You know, the jumping towards atonality, and then you know, and then certainly romanticism. You know, it's all in there. modern it's more unpredictable i guess it's a rollicking good time it kind of reminds me of the carmina burana which sure. is also a rollicking good time i think this is slightly higher quality i like it better than the carmina but um it's that sort of visceral yeah you know i'm not um not i'm not prissy. part of a church service that's you know? right i'm not I'm not sort of, you know, you know, singing seven movements of how God is awesome, you know. Right. It's a blast. Um, it has felt arduous at times. It sounds like, uh, I mean, I, I, sitting through one of the rehearsals, mm -hmm. there's so much to learn, to, to remember, technically speaking. Walton is so specific in his indication in the score. Um, and at times it feels like a, a mob scene, so <laughs> it's um, not really homophonic. Uh, it, well, it can be it can be very scattered and uh, messy sounding, but on purpose and deliberately. story um, where Walton was sort of competing with some other composer of the age that had this piece that he had done that was wildly popular uh -huh. and very jazzy. And so Walton said, well, I can up that. <laughs> <laughs> what other stories did Toby tell to kind of get people into it or, you know, to, to kind well, of bring the chorus together on some of the, some of the, some of the things well, you wanted to communicate? Them, he said that this was one of, this was a piece that he had to study for his O-levels. Oh wow! And back in so he's high very school. familiar with it. Yes, and you can tell that by the way he's very specific. In a way, you know, T Toby always has a lot of ideas. Yeah. But in this case, he has some ideas that are counterintuitive. Which he does. usually his his ideas are a little 
they're more like, oh yeah, I would expect him to say that. Yeah. And this time I found that there were a few ideas that were a little bit counterintuitive. He's really magnetic as a conductor. He makes direct eye contact with you. Uh, he's so clear in his gestural conducting. Um, so it's almost like if you know the music well enough, you don't have to look at the score constantly. Right. And of course, that's what you'd want in a conductor. <laughs> and it's amazing to see him drive the ship up there and master all of the cues, but still have the humor about the piece and the accuracy. Like I have so much respect for this guy because there's no way if you're a good musician, there's no way you're going to leave a performance with him not knowing absolutely what you're singing and why and when you feel what. And it's not even, it's not creative. He just knows these scores so well and he knows the emotional impact and that, I react very positively to that. I'm such an emotional performer, so I'm super looking forward to singing for Toby again. Toby tends to be a little more... Uh, he'll follow what you want to do to some extent. Sure, it's a more of a bit. collaboration. Yeah. This one, he's... He's definitely, you know, in charge. He knows what he wants to hear in this piece. It seems like it's something he's lived with for so long, and, and so he really has completely internalized what he wants in this piece. Hearing Bramwell's interpretation of the piece, he's so well-researched on Walton. Um, hearing the anecdotal, uh, where Walton was at as he was writing this piece, why he wrote it, um, how he felt pressured to prove himself sure. as a composer, um, and seeing like the jazz influence uh, in some of the piece, understanding how the text was assembled by the one of the Sitwells, um, and understanding that relationship, the human side of the piece comes out. What does Tovey do that elicits the response from the chorus? Well, he knows, um, so many of the old school conductors, uh -huh. it's all about precision. Sure. And sort of precision at any cost. Do whatever you can to get the, the result you want. However, in my opinion, in my feeling, is Tovey works on a much more visceral level, on a much more emotional level. And like I said, I used to respond really positively to that. I'm like, yes, tell me, tell me the detail of the story and what, what I'm singing about right now. And I, you have me hook, line, and sinker. And not all conductors do that. Master Tovey said to us all that we have to think about how the Hebrews really dislike the, the, the word Babylon <laughs> and really dislike set, talking about the, the gold and silver vessels, even though the, temp, the tempo is quite bright and it seems to be a major key. Yeah. You know, you can't sing about the gold and silver vessels. It's Here almost, they are, folks. It's, it's, it's almost sarcasm, It's not right? the Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is, it's, it's like, and they made us bring them the gold and silver vessels. Can you believe <laughs> it? You know, you know it's like, and that's what it is. It's, right. You're shouting an exasperation, not for joy. Think about um, being fickle 
and uh, sort of having a hollow, sarcastic note to our delivery of praise the king. Ah. I'm sorry, praise the king. <laughs> Lots of R, right? Um, and so that kind of really brought it to life for me. The baritone soloist says, you know, and, and the Belshazzar, you know, was slain. And we all sort of do the, you know, the famous choral, you know, slain! Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's got to be the f- most fun. Yeah, it's like, it is. The king slain! That's the thing, you want to make sure you all do it right. So yeah. the one guy who's like, you know, coming in no early. No one wants a like, solo there. Everyone's just like, <laughs> yeah, everyone's, everyone's throwing the stink eye. You know? <laughs> so uh, Toby asked uh, the orchestra to do it too. In you know, English orchestras, we have this tradition of the orchestra says it, sings it as well, you know, or shouts it as well. So, so we gave them the, you know, right into their score, you know, exactly on B2, you know, shouts. Slay, you know, and it, they did. First time we sing, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Right. It goes into this, the romantic Walton music at that point, but he doesn't want that first entrance in that mode. He wants that to be angry. How can we sing the, the Lord's song in a strange land? And then the second one, start feeling a little more, more sorry the, for ourselves. That's the, the weepy kind of version. So. Yes. And so, you know, I, that was completely contrary to how I was singing that passage because... And how you've done it the last one or two times, right? Right, absolutely. What's the most memorable direction you receive from Tovey out there to, to tell the story? I've, he's, I've heard he's told a few jokes and had a, a lot of funny things Oh, he's there. very into the concubines. <laughs> <laughs> like, if there's a concubine joke, he's going to tell it. You know? He's like, these are hookers. Right, exactly. He's like, enjoy them. And I'm like, ew. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's such Look. a moment in the piece, though, right? It's this, oh, like, yeah. You know, not only did he drink from the sacred vessels but he, he had hookers he gave yeah. it to the hookers yes. too to drink this you know, yeah it's like- And the music and the motion just really spills out into the audience. Oh, absolutely. And I love that he's singing. He's not singing. He may be singing. I don't know. But um, <laughs> he's at least mouthing. He knows it extraordinarily well. He is singing and cueing each part. And he knows this piece so viscerally. And that's so rewarding. It is It is. It is supposed to be shocking. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. It's like the blasphemy the biggest, personified. Yeah. Right? The biggest sin they can do is to drink wine out of these vessels that are sacred to God. I mean, that is... Bes- like, there's no reason for it, you know? That's why yeah. it's the worst kind of, kind of blasphemy. Yeah. Because it's just it's just in your face, like, we can do it, so we will. I get goosebumps for that part when I when I listen to it and, and the, the, oh, the rehearsals when I heard it because the music and the emotion and all the communication just says, I can't believe they just did this. Did yeah. they just do this? Yeah, drank from the sacred vessels. <laughs> It's, 
that's cool. That's great. Um, in Babylon now, they asked us not only to bring them the gold and silver vessels, but to sing us a song of Zion. Like you gotta be those bastards. Like you know, it's like it's like it's like yeah, it's like and and you'll like it, you know. (laughs) So we have ways of making you sing (laughs) this song (laughs) of Babylon. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's exactly it. Come on, are you really going to think about it? No, it was never, it seemed that it was never going to end. That's where it is. And then just as suddenly, you know, um, when is enough enough? And then finally it was. It was enough. I love the the quiet bit at the end while the kings of the earth lament. As the pipers are silenced and all that. Yes. The first time we rehearsed it in depth... James said, you know, we were just sort of casually singing it. And he said, haven't any of you listened to the news today? This was at the fall of Mosul. And, you know, suddenly everyone got really impassioned. Now, it's funny because Tovi talks about how we're happy. We're happy that Babylon has fallen. It's not a lament. We're gloating over the fact that the kings of the earth are lamenting over the fall of Babylon because the Lord has triumphed. Right. But man, in our political climate, it all it gets laid over with all sorts of meanings that right. Walton probably didn't intend. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this is what it feels like when a city gets destroyed sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I don't think it should be a cause for rejoicing. I don't care if it's the enemy or not. Yeah, yeah. Really, but, you know. Is it melodrama? Is, is it possible to go too far, or is it not possible because no, you have I don't, to communicate it to the audience? It's, it because I don't think it's possible because, honestly, it goes by so fast. <laughs> it's because you have to you have to get that message across so quickly. Yeah. Because the pace is so, you know, the, the dramatic pace. You have to you just have to try so hard that the audience is only hearing it for the first time. In some cases, they're not going to realize, you know, that this was supposed to be. Oh, this was. This could have been sadder sounding. Right. It's like, no, you can't make it. So you can't make it sound sad enough. So you have like one so moment to communicate you know, exactly, that. so that it'll, it'll convey to the audience that this is. I, I'm sad. <laughs> Because it is funny. There's so, some of the parts. It's when pretty you're not, funny. When you're not outraged or yeah. blasphemy. Um, some of it's just so melodramatic. Um, and we, can, can it ever be too melodramatic? Or, I mean, you have to communicate to the audience. If there's so. a place to be too melodramatic, it's on that stage in the shed. <laughs> How do you switch between the different emotions, so uh, the different you know parts of the story? 
The hardest one really is where you're supposed to suddenly become the Babylonians. Okay, so you're praising all the gods, right? And that's completely out of character. Everywhere else, you're personifying the Jews. Now you're so, so you just have to forget about it. I mean, <laughs> it's like being an opera chorus. And sure. In one scene, you're a peasant, and in the next scene, you're a courtier. Those are completely different emotions, but you know, you pretend you've got the costume on, and, yep. <laughs> and you do it. Um, outrage is an easy emotion to enact, really, isn't it? So, well, why why do you think that? I'm... It has clear signs. Sure. So when somebody speaks to you and they're angry or they're outraged, you can tell. So it's the same thing as vocally. Do you think the orchestra is feeling it as well? As I know it's always kind of weird to kind of we only had sync the, up with them. We only had the one um, read-through with them right. um, the other day, and it really was something to listen to for the first time. The piece we've been missing for months and months as we've been preparing this piece. Because the um, piano reduction does nothing to communicate some of the crazy stuff that they're doing. The the puns, the the, the word painting and all that stuff. Yeah, timbrely, perhaps. Um, so Ian has been brilliant and wonderful. I don't know how his two hands make all of those sounds at once. Uh-huh. Um, his, his computer, his musical computer and his motor skills are just nothing short of amazing. <laughs> but when you hear... Um, there's one part that goes da dun, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
hostess gift if you're going to a party. It's like sure. the last thing that makes it not just wonderful, but yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what, for me, that's what those little technical details are, and they help. They, he, he's amazing. Just little things like, oh, my palate wasn't high enough. Dang it, how did he know that? <laughs> yeah, a, he has that ear to yeah. be right here and be like, you know what, the sound needs more of this. And uh, yeah, Exactly, he's like, oh, you're right, I do need to lower my larynx. Dang it, how did he know that? You know, like... Actually, it was the part of the piece I had struggled with the most before working with James out here and um, Bramwell Tovey. Just, um, we were so focused on the, the musicianship side of it. Not to say that emotional storytelling is not part of musicianship right. in your work, but we were so focused on the notes and the rhythms and knowing um, your harmonic tuning up and down and making sure it's spot on. There's these sort of melismatic sections uh, where yeah. you are really having to think about where is this all ending up. Because you can't even think about the notes where you're on. No, you have to be thinking two bars ahead of like what on earth key. Am I, yeah. am I landing in at the end of this? And that kind of technical thinking I haven't had to do since I was in college, you know, in, 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 you know, in chamber singers right. and things like that, you know, doing, you know, Kodai and you know, stuff like that, <laughs> where you're just like, there's 15 notes on this in this measure, you know, 15 pitches in this right, measure, right, right. and they all mean something. <laughs> and you can't, you can't just skate by any of them. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's, it's very important. And so, you know, that you, have to, you have to know where tonally, where this is going. Well, it's also very tricky. Yeah. Because he's always putting the entrances on the second beat of the measure, and the temptation is always to come in, you know, on the first beat of the measure. And so almost invariably somebody jumps the entrance or mixes that one up with this one. Yeah. So it's you've got to keep your head in the game. You've got to keep your head in the game. There was one part where uh, James just got to the point where he was like, you have to count. You have to actively count. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's embarrassing to... <laughs> to be told that, but it's true. You have to be actively counting and not distracted by the incredible sounds coming at you from the orchestra. Literally count, like the count guy. <laughs> I love to count. <laughs> One, two, three, what? Blah, 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 You're looking at me passively in the eyes, hoping I'll show you the right moment. No, no, no. You have to count. Because rhythm's just the thing. It's a scientific thing. Again, one, two, three, blah. Oh, 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 oh. Thank you. Thank you. Goodness me. It's taken weeks just to get you to count to two. Now, there are some long You spent more time preparing the technical, it sounds like, mm -hmm. than the rest of it. It is so technical that it makes the English, which is my native language, hard for me to understand coming out of my mouth because you have to concentrate so hard on getting words out at tempi that are that are just crazy sometimes You know, I'm somebody who gets very into the text. Yes. Like a lot of singers don't get into the text at all. They're just all about the line, all about the beauty of the sound. 
And I'm very much about telling the story. And so this piece is great because it gives you a lot of tools and um, methods and uh, fun ways to tell the story. And because it's in English, the vernacular of the audience here, it means that people are you're likely to get some response from the audience or at least kind of connect with them a little bit. Right. right? If you manage to get your diction across, which is <laughs> your, your you know, responsibility. There's so much to remember. There's so much going on. And, and James Burton is really hitting everyone for, you know, put that D at the end of land or... You know, those K's on drink, for example. Yeah. I mean... I can't do any more K than I'm doing. So, but it's really nice if other people do it too, because then it actually registers. One person can't register, obviously. Yes. advice he's giving us is just absolutely you can't forget about it you have to think about it all the time which is making it even harder you have two words the second word the vowel has to be very bright and placed like land yeah, yeah and and so but then the word before that then has to be brighter than it would ordinarily like to be you know an unimportant article like the right has to become the so that <laughs> land is you know easier to that's going to sound great it's going to, it's, um, it's going to be even more brighter so you start thinking about that in other places and you're saying yeesh how am i going to make that happen and yet you still have to sing it in tune because of course it's you know i don't know what f flat because yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're thinking about that too it's like what does I remember there, I heard that there was a, some question about how to pronounce Nebuchadnezzar or Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember what the Nebuchadnezzar and, the, and James wants more of a you Nebuchadnezzar, which you really can't do. There's not enough time. Sure, but you can close down the second vowel a little bit more than than we tend to do. Sure, you know we're like Nebuchadnezzar, and he or t I'm trying for Nebuchadnezzar or Nebuchadnezzar a little bit more close it's the trap it's the trap of singing your native language and then the fact that british english and american english aren't exactly the same anyway so there's always going to be some uh variations that we have right. to standardize and, on you know walton is british so i have to you know yeah. yield to come on this. some of that <laughs> but there's i you know i'm very resistant to that myself because i'm i'm all about communicating sure and if we're singing to an American audience, commanded is not as clear as commanded. I'm sorry, it's not. <laughs> so, but I'll sing it, yeah. you know, because, because Walton's British, British, British and because, you know, Toby's not being overly, I mean, he's only asking us to do that on two words, oh, commanded and after. And everything else, he's pretty much allowing us to pronounce in a natural way. Oh, that's good. So I, you know, I, you got to give him a couple of them. You know, you really <laughs> do. <laughs>
The forte piano part seems to be the hardest for the choir to get as a whole. To yeah, there like still it. are. <laughs> <laughs> you to be, you got to be loud and then immediately quiet and then crescendo right after that. I guess the consonants are the tool for that. And sometimes like a, a backward K, a K sound yeah. is hard to do a forte piano. So like I'm king. Yeah. Um, they it, came out pretty well, the K, the, K, the Ks of the Kings in the, in the, in the rehearsal. Because you have no idea next to you yeah. when all of the sound is going out in that direction. You have no idea what the composite sound is. And it's easy to be super critical of, um, oh, I hear I'm not quite lining up with my neighbors. You can be really right. critical of yourself. But the total sound when you listen to the recording, sometimes it's shocking. Wow, that, that sounds great. Yeah. You just have to trust it, I guess. All the forte pianos, very, first of all, you got to keep your head in the game so much to yeah. do them. And plus, especially if you have to do forte immediate, uh, piano immediately. And then a crescendo right crescendo. after that. It's easier if you have a little delay before the crescendo. Sure. It's really hard to do it. The, the choir is, it's like a hive mind, right? Ideally, if it's it, a hive if it, mind. If it's working. <laughs> if it's working, it can be... <laughs> if it's the, not, then people are coming in earlier. Whatever the opposite of hind, hive mind. Yeah. Uh, hind mind. Hind maybe mind. that works like an afterthought. As in um, behind the beat. <laughs> and it's, this is not accusatory. There's just so much going on at once. It's, it's tricky to stay focused and in the moment. Um, but when we're listening to harmonically what's going on, and as a section, when we are in tune... That, um, James was talking, or sorry, Abramo was talking about the natural resonance of the B flat that the trombones play in the okay. very beginning, and he said there's an intensity about this note um, because it's it's not a partial, it's a natural note that the instrument plays, and it oh no vowels, no nothing, it just blows yeah, through this, yeah, and, and it's very intense. Um, a choir. I guess all of the notes we sing are natural frequencies, right? So when we are locked in as a section, locked is a bad word. When we are, because uh, you don't want to think of tension. Sure. When we are all of the same mind, breathing in the same thought and emotion and just creating the same frequency, it's electric. It's really cool. And I think we were starting to get somewhere with that today. A number of times over this week. This has been an exhausting week. It's been awesome, but it's been exhausting. Sure. And there are many times where we have been done with something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm fit. You know, <laughs> like I'm I'm chubby, but I'm fit. And my core. You get a workout. Exactly. It's it's got to come from the core in that way. This is nice and free, and that's how one avoids fatigue. James talked a lot in the in the warm up about that c connection with those muscles, mm -hmm. the gut muscles, for things Pelvic like blow, blow up. It's lower. Yeah, yeah, it's lower than the guts. It's in our <laughs> nether region. <laughs> it is. I remember the first moment I felt that was uh, I was a freshman in college with my voice teacher. And she said, um, sing from where your children will come from. <laughs> and I was what, very what, what naive. Did the, what did she tell the bass and tenors? <laughs> and feeling, well, I had always had this, um, and I had wonderful teachers growing up as a teenager, but I had always thought of uh, singing as supporting from the abdominal muscles, which are very important in singing. But I'd never thought of my womanhood being, <laughs> or manhood being part of singing. So when you feel that it's like drop. like a chakra down there, basically. It, it, yeah. When you feel it drop to your stem, your roots, and then everything releases up here, you can sing 
your instrument is in a good place to sing difficult repertoire for a long period of time. And I think James takes really good care of us in helping us be mindful of that. Because we have the skills, we just need the mindfulness to remind ourselves. You, you just gotta, I don't care how sore your abdominals are, you gotta work <laughs> them some more. You know, feel the burn. Yeah, he had you guys do a lot of, lot of, a lot of, a lot of just making sure, make sure you feel those intercostals, and no matter what you do, you just because you, you you've got to do it, or else you're going to have nothing left. Because you got to get over the orchestra too. Absolutely, it's, it's heavily well, scored. Everybody, no matter what, we have some lower stuff, but we are above that staff and loudly above <laughs> the staff in in so many places. Um, you you'll have nothing left. <laughs> Final thought, um, advice you'd give for someone that was approaching this Walton for the first time and was, you know, what, what, what are they in for? What's, what's, uh... Sit thyself down at a keyboard. Um, <laughs> do a harmonic analysis of entrances so you know the vocabulary harmonically that's coming in. Listen to the recordings, know what instruments are going to give you cue notes, know how your part locks in with the rest of the choir. Um, that alone will help you out for the first rehearsal. What advice would you give them before they before they started in on this in that first rehearsal? Or... You got to get the tonality in your head because there are a lot of yeah. The, there's a lot of shifting tonality within a line. He very often it's a you know it's a trick that a lot of composers, contemporary composers, use that you shift tonality within the line. Right. So you sing the first four notes of the line in one chord right. and then suddenly you have another chord that's not related to the first. If you don't hear both of those tonal centers, you cannot sing that in tune. Right. You cannot sing that and you can't sing it in a line. Keep an open mind about the fact that you're going to you're going to need to change the way you sing English. Right. Even <laughs> if it is your native language. Um, because the, you have to completely modify what's coming. What's coming out of your mouth is going to sound alien to you, but it's going to sound right at the back of the house. My opinion, you know, there's perfection and there's art. And there may be a Venn diagram therein, <laughs> but it's one with a, with a small middle. And that's what I, I teach most of my students. I don't want perfection. I want you to give me your story as well as you can from your heart. That'll be art. Some people probably set up, use the technical to set up the framework so they could tell the story, and mm -hmm. some people use the lead with the, the lead with the yep. story and use the technical as the garnishes on top of it. Yeah. And as long as everyone gets to the same to the place. same yeah <laughs> to, the, to the same place on stage together unified, then yeah, that's great. And that's one of the coolest things about this organization specifically is that it is like so many different learning types and so many different um, sets of skills. You sure. know, things that people do well or do not do well. You know, and it's it's. It's really remarkable that we come to that place together, and it's all, you know, it's not always perfect, but it's always exhilarating. Yes. You know, and it's always, you know, like that last note is over. I have to be still. Okay, did the conductor put his baton down? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time. My thanks again to Diane, Joy, James, and Diana for taking some time out of their Tanglewood residency to talk about their experiences. And congratulations to the entire chorus on a memorable performance. Once again, you can hear a playback of that performance on classicalwcrb.org's website under the July 30th, 2017 entry of Programs and Podcasts, or follow the link that I'm putting in the show notes. That wraps up this podcast. Until next time, may you find more ways to create joy.